Hi, I'm Dr. Gemma Newman, also known as the Plant Power Doctor and your host for the Wellness Edit with Holland and Barrett. In this episode, I am absolutely thrilled to bring you Richie Norton, the man behind the Vibe Tribe and the brand new book, Lift Your Vibe. Now today we had an incredibly powerful conversation. It was honest, it was raw, and some of the things that we talked about, some people may find distressing. If you've been affected by any of the issues that we talk about in today's conversation, please do feel free to have a look in the show notes of the episode to get some support. So hello, Richie. It's so wonderful to have you here with me today. Thank you for joining us. I'm honoured to be here. I'm looking forward to the chat. Yeah, me too. I've been following your work for a, t- a long time and it's it's just wonderful to see how things have been progressing. And I suppose we'd just start off by asking, how are you? How have you found this last year or so? Oh, the last year. I thought you meant right now. That would have been easier to answer. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, the last year has been really interesting. I think that's how I've decided to, t- to title it. It's been a roller coaster because of obviously the ups and downs that everybody's had to deal with uh, around um, the restrictions and being in lockdown. That was quite exciting. Look, luckily, I had my uh, my girlfriend with me to keep me company and stop me from losing the plot. But I, I don't know if you don't even know, but I live in a lovely little place. In the, in the south of Wales by the ocean. So I've been able to surf and I've been able to get out in nature and I luckily work online. I have a lot of uh, my work pretty much all online. So I've been able to keep rolling forwards and, um, and stay active and keep myself physically and mentally and emotionally in check, just about. So yeah, life's been pretty good. I've survived and I feel optimistic. Well done, Richie. You survived <laughs> and you feel optimistic. So that's two amazing pluses. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't know that you were in South Wales. Whereabouts are you based? Between Cardiff and Swansea, there's a cute little surf village that is still kind of just off the beaten track. Mm. But we get surf in front of my house. And that's pretty much why I moved here three years ago. And, uh, and I've no intention of leaving anytime soon. Oh, that sounds blissful. So, well, it's not too far from London, which really helps, I find. I get the balance of both. I've been in, I was in London for about 10 years, and it was, it was the London grind that eventually ground me down to the point where I was like, I need to get this balance a bit better. Yeah. And it really, the balance didn't even exist. I lived in London. I was a personal trainer. I, was, I couldn't work any more hours in the day. I was just flying around London nonstop. And I, and I wasn't really living what I was talking about in terms of getting this lifestyle balance and improving people's health. I wasn't even working on my own health to its full potential. So I made that move. Wow. And it's the best move I ever made. Well done. I think that's a really important point that you've touched upon is the idea of understanding the importance of well-being. And yet also for so many of us, we struggle to recognize when we ourselves are not necessarily in that balance or in the right space to make good decisions for our own mental health. So it's a big move, but it sounds like it's really paid off. Very much so. Good. Well, it's obviously before we we knew what was going to go on um, (laughs) over the last year and and I'm very lucky to have got settled before all that happened. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it would have been a very different story had you still been in London, I should imagine. Yeah, I think it would have been fighting a lot more people for a place like this, that's for sure. Yeah. I think everyone's trying to leave the city at the moment by the looks of things. Yeah, um, and I think 
the pandemic has probably brought to a lot of people's attention the importance of nature, the importance of connecting with ourselves, the importance of being outdoors for mental health. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that your background also plays into that. I know that, um, you know, you used to be a rugby player. Um, it would be great to talk a little bit more about that and how you found that sports affected your mental health and just a little bit more as well about, you know, your story and how you got into all of this. Yeah, so the, the short version is I did used to play rugby. I, I started playing rugby quite young. Um, I think I was about seven or eight. I was I feel like I was probably about this big when I was about seven or eight. I, I was quite big when I was a young lad. So I, I used to have a lot of fun on the rugby pitch. I had lots of promise, but I just didn't grow like everybody else. So I had to put on more muscle and uh, improve my rugby skills. But I was lucky to um, get picked up quite early by some um, by some good clubs when I moved to the UK. Um, because initially I actually grew up in the Middle East. A lot of people don't know that. My dad worked on oil rigs as a geologist, um, testing rock samples and things like that. And uh, randomly just grew up by the ocean on the beach. And my dad used to play rugby in the desert with camels walking down the road. It was always absolutely bizarre. That's not a lie. Um, but that was my first experience of it. And I loved it so much. And when I came to the UK, I was just so hungry to get involved in, in the UK uh, rugby scene. Um, and yeah, I worked myself up through the ranks. I got to 19 years old and I was looking for my next, well, my big move into the premiership. And I got offered, offered an opportunity to go and play rugby in New Zealand. And, you know, at, at 19, that's quite a, an exciting opportunity. So I took it. And ended up staying there two years, had a great time, saw a lot of the world at the same time, got to Australia, saw that side of the world and it planted that little seed in my head that I did want to come back. But I had to come back to the UK and I was carrying an injury. And by this point I was uh, 22, 22 years old. And this injury actually stopped me from being able to go and play for clubs, whereas that should have been like my prime time. Right. Just come back from New Zealand, all this hype around you being a, a key player. And yeah, I, I got hit with an injury that did not go away. And that it was, it was, it was, um, it was sciatica, which was nerve damage in my spine. Mm. And um, I'd been knocked out, concussed, and I hyperextended my knee, which created a little plica under my kneecap, which kept causing my knee to collapse. So obviously as a rugby player, this doesn't really help you too much. Mm. And this, this is where the mental battle starts to kick in. Someone who's 22 years old didn't think his dream of being a professional rugby player would end that quick, but this is the conversation I was having. And uh, yeah, I think that, that was the start of when things started to break down. And luckily I, I got an opportunity to go and play and coach in America because of my credentials at the time and my promise, I went out there, explored that for a year, but injury just ended that. Right. And um, yeah, I had to come back and, and lick my wounds for a little while. And that's where I had to decide whether this was going to be something I wanted to persist with and just start rehabilitating and going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, or actually stop. And that was the decision I made. Yeah. So the injury changed everything at that point. You were, you were very promising. You had a professional rugby career ahead of you. The world was opening up and then 
you had to face a decision to understand actually this may not be my path anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when I think about other people in this space that would be able to relate with this, you know, you have this, we sometimes grow up with a dream. We sometimes have this intention that we want to build this life or we want that life and we want to uh, work on this because we're passionate about it and we love it and we're good at it and we go all in and then it's taken away from you. Yeah. And you're like, right. That I, I didn't have a backup plan. Yeah. You know, I didn't, didn't want to do anything else. I was good at that. And now that, it's been got taken. It. Well, it's also, I, I actually, I've, I've delved into this a little bit more recently where I've unpacked it through writing my book is, is actually, it was that moment where I realized rugby was what gave me some space to uh, let off some steam, to decompress, to manage stress, mm. to vent off like angry energy that was built up inside of me. That gave me my opportunity to vent and to uh, have a team energy and to have that support network. My rugby team was my support network. And when that got took away, I realized how much that had been a crutch for me as well. Right. So it wasn't just the opportunity to be in a rugby player taken away. It was like my support network that was my rugby community. Yeah. And at that time, being a bloke playing rugby, there was no yoga class to go to. There was no meditation practice to you know fall back on. There was no guru in my corner that I could confide in. There was no, you know, I couldn't go and chat with the lads and say, mate, I'm having a bit of a mental issue here. I think I've got some things I need to talk about. We didn't do it. We, we, we held it in. Yeah. So it just, it buries deeper and deeper and deeper. And my way of managing that was just going off the rails. And uh, yeah, that lasted a while. Where do you think that the anger came from? Um, anger was the frustration that I hadn't, um, done everything I could have done to take better care of myself. That was one element. I, I could have worked harder at my diet and my training and um, my commitment to the profession. And part of that reason was is I had some stuff happening with my family, my, my mom and dad separating and uh, not being able to share that with them. That really cut. I think deeper than I actually give it respects at the time. Um, my granddad passed away. He was a real mentor of mine who had done a lot of the training with me. And, and I think just deep down, just not, not being able to communicate this with anybody. So I just internalized everything. I was just having these arguments and battles with myself. Mm. As I think we often do, we have this internal dialogue that can be quite negative and self-destructive and we don't have a way to, work it out and get some clarity on it it just becomes toxic in us doesn't it yeah. really? and then it comes out in various different forms and yeah i imploded and uh various different outlets you know alcohol eating drugs i i really just kind of like lost my way and yeah that that whole space a lot of the time you know i had some great experiences and met some incredible people on that in that time but I still hadn't found my thing. I had no direction. I still wasn't taking care of my health. I hadn't valued my health. I actually kind of like wrote myself off. That was my reaction yeah. to just give up. 
Yeah. And I think that that's something that a lot of people share. It's a human experience. When things are disappointing, when we're disappointed with ourselves, when we struggle to communicate how we feel, then, you know, for many of us, you know, we, we go through periods where we, we try things that we kind of know deep down are not good for us, not good for our soul or, you know, where we want to be, but it's a, it's a way of distracting ourselves from that feeling of pain sometimes. Um, Sure. Yeah. Um, and I suppose for you, I mean, obviously that's only part of your story so far. Um, I know that when I speak to my patients in clinic, often there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of struggle. Mm. And although they don't all have the same story that you have told me, there are many stories of tragedy and um, lack of communication and lack of fulfilled dreams. And mm. it's it's a really hard thing to go through. Um, mm. But sometimes, you know, pain and struggle can lead us to understand our greatest strengths. And it's really hard to see that at the time. Sometimes it's really hard to see yeah. that through through mm. what you're experiencing. What, what was the moment where you where you decided you needed something to change. I actually got really sick. I was having like panic attacks and uh, I say panic attack, it's more like, you know, intense anxiety where literally felt like I was dying and I didn't come out of nowhere. And I didn't realize it was just kind of like a suppressed emotion or, you know, these underlying thoughts and feelings and emotions that I just wasn't able to like release. And, um, a few people have pulled me aside, actually friends who had said, you know, what's up, you know, you're not yourself and you know, you're acting really out of character. And the fact that someone had noticed that where well, I thought I was hiding it and them to pull me up on it and actually just to be able to tell me like really like shook me to the core. One, I was embarrassed Two, I was like, I was a bit ashamed and it is actually friends and people in my my space in my network that had recognized that I'd kind of like lost who I was a little bit because I wasn't behaving as myself as they knew it. And I and it was it was that connection with someone that I trusted for them to get me to check myself, like just audit where I was and just reassess what I was doing with my life. And um I looked in the mirror, you know, I was, I was just, I just wasn't, you know, wasn't vibrant in my, in my skin, in my body, but also my, my vibration was so low. I just felt really lethargic and everything I would, I, I would do. Um, and, you know, like I said, it was, it was turning to drugs and alcohol just to sort of like, just get lost in it all really. And, and it was hitting some real lows that it was almost like, this is not sustainable. Mm. With, I, I had a friend of mine who, who uh, took his own life and uh, he's a rugby player. And uh, it was, it was the relatability to where he was and who he was. And the fact that that could happen to someone was probably the biggest shift yeah, and I, I took a good, clean look at my life and thought that that's not where I'm going, you know. And, and I, and I had to like do a little bit of time with myself and reassess something. I took myself out of the equation. Um, I actually moved away for a little while, and when I came back, I made the decision to make a big shift. And I, 
I started to sort of get myself in order in London a little bit. And, uh, and I remember just a few, few months into a new job, I'm thinking like finance, I'm thinking investment and property, and I'm going to start to make my, make my mark in, in, in London. Just felt like it was the right thing to do at the time, but actually it was, it was just me trying to do something that I thought I'd be respected for. Right. I would still keep me on this pedestal that I'd put myself on. But really, it was just me filling a gap. So I tried that for a little while and I, I bounced, trying, knowing that I had to make a change, something needed to change. I, uh, I got necrotic appendicitis. The knocks, the the knocks time, just though. keep coming, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> this is me toxic. Yeah. At my most toxic level. Yeah. I, uh, I went to the doctors to say I had a stomachache and they thought I had some acid, antacid. They gave me some antacid tablets or something. And uh, or, or they just said, you know, calm down, you know, just need to settle. What's your diet like? And anyway, because I wasn't really in, a, in intense pain, I just thought, oh, something's not quite right. I went back two, two years later and they rushed me in an ambulance to the hospital for emergency operation. They said, my fa- they told my family I might not come out of the operation. Uh, because they have to cut me open and pull this toxic necrotic appendicitis out, and it, there's a chance if it if it leaks into my bloodstream, I'll die. So my dad came down from Manchester and sat by the side of my bed, and he never he's never really sort of done something like that at that close proximity of something happening and panicked. So I was like, you know, I'm gone. This is it. This could be it. And I remember being in hospital for about ten days and so sick. And I thought, what has happened to my life? I can't believe I let it get this dark and this lonely and this fragile for me to realize how precious it actually is. Yeah. And I would never wish that on anybody to have to go through that because not everyone survives it. Not everyone everyone sees the other side of that kind of low. No. And um, I, I came out of that and I remember going... Yeah, this 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 really needs to shift now. I was going to say, you me. you think how many more knocks can one person take? Um, yeah, it gave me sort of shivers down my spine just hearing you speak about this time and your experiences because it it feels so profound, um, and it reminds me of the story of you know the Christmas Carol, you know where you you come face to face with your past your present and your potential future. Mm -hmm. And that is a really um, difficult thing for many of us to actually think about because it really lays us open. We become very vulnerable. I was the weakest and felt the most fragile um, that I felt I could only get stronger from this point. Mm. The darkest times were probably it was more just trying to find my way in a place where I felt very lonely. I didn't really have anyone to talk to about this. And it was just trying to work through that to keep finding rays of light. Luckily my family are incredible and I do have some good friends that were able to kind of like approach me and say, this isn't you, you're better than this. You know what, you know what are you doing? You're wasted here. And then when I kind of built up and it got to the point where I got myself in a in a better place, um, like I did the rehabilitation from that injury. And when I came out of hospital, I really started to clean myself up mm. in every sense of the word. And I moved to Australia 
I went, well, how far can I get away from this situation? And I, <laughs> I went, right, I'm going to go other side of the world. That's the furthest. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it came off the back of me. A friend of mine had got the, his working visa. I was, this is like 10, 10 years ago now. But it was my last year to get the working visa to go and live in Australia and work. So I thought, well, there you go. Mm. That's my that's my cue. Yeah. It's now or never. And I got over there and I thought, right, if I'm going to be here, on this beach, this beautiful place with all these beautiful people, I'm going to learn how to surf. Never surfed in my life. And um, I had this surf experience for the next few weeks. And I just, as I was finding my feet and the surf community introduced me to the yoga community. Then the yoga community introduced me to Brazilian capoeira. And then they introduced me to just life and vibrancy and dance and good vibrations and just just really maxing out the time that you have here and my world just went boom <laughs> and i just thought whoa what this what little world have i been burying myself in for so long and this was here for me i mean i'm not saying everyone has to go to australia and experience all these things but it was more like in the ocean i hadn't been to the sea in forever yeah I hadn't explored movement outside of lifting weights in the gym with no real meaning. So you had to go to the other side of the world to discover <laughs> yeah. that you could move your body and you could breathe and you could be in that ocean. <laughs> yeah, around good human beings that were just there to like, just appreciate every single bit of magic about life. Yeah. And they just, they just opened my eyes. Oh, that's so beautiful. That, that was the biggest shift that it, it saved my life, that trip. That is so, so beautiful. And what you said earlier, I'm reflecting on now, thinking about all the men who I see in clinic and who I know of who are so very lonely, who don't feel they have someone to talk to, who um, are suicidal. And, you know, male suicide is a huge issue. And there is there is so much disconnection, especially for men, I would say. I, I do think... I, you know, not trying to generalize too much, but I think on the whole, I see that women tend to prioritize their friendship relationships perhaps more. And there are a lot of men who feel that they need to be strong and um, who don't have those connections that they really need. And it sounds like you were so fortunate that you did have some people to say, Richie, what's going on with you? You know, what, what do you need? Can we help you? And you had this incredible opportunity to completely shift your vibe, to shift your experience. And it's so powerful because I think somebody like yourself is such an advocate for other men who would not necessarily want to join a load of ladies doing yoga or, you know, feel it's not really their thing. What would you say to a man who might be listening to this today or to a woman who might be listening to this, who knows a man who loves a man who's really struggling? What would you say to them to help them to get from a place where you were to a place where you are now? So I can only really reflect on my own experience here to, to also then shed light on how I even got to where I am. And I, I feel everybody has this ability to bring some magic to the world, no matter who they are, no matter what their mission or what their personality or interests are. Mm. So to, to reference that, you know, the book about lifting your vibration out of a low vibration, whatever that represents in your energy, emotion, 
mental, physical state. I found giving myself some room to think about like what matters to me, like my health, which I neglected for so long, gave me a positive energy feedback. So getting out for walks, spending time with good human beings that have positive vibrations oozing from them. I buzz off that. And then going and and trying something I'd never done before that I was really rubbish at, that really challenged me, brought me out of my comfort zone, which again, raised my vibration, raised my energy. Yes. So that that was my experience through various different avenues. And then from that, I thought, well, that's helped me and how I've taken that on board. Let me like use my language to communicate that with other people and hopefully give them that spark of interest that they can also go on a similar journey. No matter where you are, no matter how hectic it is, there are things available to you to create a shift in your story. Yes. So that was the reason I became a coach. In Australia, I signed up with a health and fitness college where I'd learn about capoeira, I'd learn about dance, I'd learn about yoga, personal training and fitness, which is always kind of a bit of an interest, but I'd neglected it for so long because the movement and the breath and the community lifted my vibration where I thought it was kind of like I was just stuck down here. They lifted my vibration. So let me be a disciple of that kind of, you know, action and intention and represent that same and pass it on. Yeah. Come to me. You've helped me. Let me pass on your message and let me carry it forwards. That's why I wanted to be a coach. It's beautiful. I thought even if I just focus on the rugby community, there's loads of lags that I know that are like in exactly the same place as me or where I was. Mm. Let me talk to them without all the, the fluffy, you know, spiritual words that often, you know, really made me feel a bit like I wasn't, you know, connected here or the yoga Sanskrit terms and let me deliver it in a way that my teacher connected with me because he saw who I was and where I was. So I just thought, well, any guy listening to this, it's like, right, just take a moment. Don't feel you've got to like figure it all out, but just assess the environment that you're in, the space that you're in and what you've maybe neglected. Your health should always come up at the top of that list because movement, breath, doing something different, hanging around with people that lift your vibration will take you up out of wherever you are and hopefully then steer you down a more positive path. I just hope I'm one of those messengers that can just kind of, you know, just plant those seeds a little bit and maybe just spark some interest to help them on their way, whatever path that is it still has to come down with you connecting with your true power yes. as a man. Yes. To be someone who can be strong, but also embrace the vulnerability and the softness that we have mm. because that's powerful too. So like wherever you are, it's like you've got that power within you because I felt it. Yeah. I didn't think I had it, but I was empowered by it. So I'm passing it on. It's beautiful, Richie. And you said that you hoped that you could be a messenger. I know that you most certainly are a messenger. And I love what you said about helping people to recognize their power. And for a man as well, um, who would perhaps be a little bit perhaps more cautious to enter this kind of space, to recognize that strength and vulnerability 
go hand in hand. And that was just so beautifully articulated. I really enjoyed hearing you talk about that. So if you have somebody who's just not really sure where to begin with it, um, I don't know about you, but for me, I find that the breath is always a great place to start. Um, in your experience, would you agree with that? And if so, you know, what do you think that breath work gives to somebody when they are just about to embark on trying to understand how to feel better? Okay, yeah. So this is this is a really great question, and I always leave with the breath. So I'm glad you brought that up in the same light. The um, the thing about the breath is we we do it all day anyway. Everyone's already breathing. It's not like everyone's already doing yoga or everyone's already doing like a movement practice. Yeah. You know, we all breathe. We do to live. We have to <laughs> breathe, right? So you're already doing it. Okay, so that's the first thing. Like, oh, actually, yeah, you're right. But are you doing it well or are you doing it poorly? And most of the time, if people aren't aware of what breath work is, it's like they're doing it poorly or inefficiently and not utilizing that power that comes with good breath work. So, and this is separate to meditation. I think it's always good to mention meditation isn't breath work. It's a kind of form of, it can be a form of breath work. But when I say bring attention to your breathing, if you want to feel empowered or energized or relaxed or calm, your breathing is the number one tool to do all of those things. It's just a case of learning those tools and which ones work at what time. Mm. But the more you bring attention to every breath, the more mindful and connected and present all of those well-being words come into play. But it's more, it gives you a chance to just take a pause. It gives one breath. Actually, I probably need to do that because I'm talking so much. But, Let's you know, do it's it like, together. Actually, in that moment, <laughs> And you get sometimes that little shudder yeah. or, you know, the goosebumps in like, where you feel the heart rate slow down and you just get a little bit less scatty. Mm. You get to slow the process down a little bit mm. to then choose whether you want to keep feeding that energy into that thing or that situation or that emotion or whether you need to take a little step back and take a moment to yourself. When you listen to your breathing and feel your breathing and observe your breathing, you get power over those things. That gives you the power. And you can do it right now in this moment. So it's about bringing the power back. Getting the power back. So there are various different levels of the breath work. Breath work can help you set up for a really good meditation because it can help calm your whole system down and help you feel more relaxed and less up in your head and more in your body. And that way, again, if you relate that to people that have got no idea what it is or never, ever delved into that, if you're breathing better and more effectively, you're able to pull more air into your lungs. You're able to get more oxygen around your body. You're able to like massage your internal organs. You're able to like have more clarity and focus. Who doesn't want those things, right? So if that's... Pulls you in enough to go, oh, I need to explore this a little bit. That's it. However, you want to take that, you know. What do you tell someone to do then? Do they just have to take a deep breath in or do you give them a, a tip? Like, how, how do they begin? Oh, I've got so many tips. Right. Let me give you the best one. Um, yes, please. So, <laughs> <laughs> if there is a best one, I should probably take that back. There's, there's, lots of um, there's a best one. The one breath. I use most is as you bring awareness to your breath, so follow it. 
So inhale, ideally through the nose if you can, because it's, it restricts the airways a little bit and it usually is supposedly a direct access to the diaphragm or helps you breathe into your lower lungs, which is our primary breathing muscle here. And then when you feel that you've filled up, so you've expanded into the lungs, you've filled up this whole chest space all the way down to your belly, pause for a moment, and then slowly let the air release from the body at a nice steady pace all the way out. Mm. And then you'll notice the little pause at the bottom when you've emptied all the air out of your body. Enjoy that pause and then see if you can slow down the breath in a little bit more and then build on that. So the bringing attention to the pause allows them to have to pay attention to the whole process. So less stuck up in their head, less conscious of all the emotions running around, just simply letting that wave of a breath be the guide of where they are mm. and listen to the feedback that they get. That makes a lot of sense. And all of a sudden, you know, it's just like, is that tight? Is that a bit restricted? Don't worry. Don't panic. You're not doing it wrong. Just keep going. Just keep going. You use the, the words, I like the way you use the word, uh, pay attention to the wave of the breath. Obviously, it's very relevant to your surfboard behind you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never can't hide that, yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, and do you feel like surfing, and I know that you're obviously, you know, you really find that surfing and things like yoga are really important to you. Do you think that's connected to the breath, uh, having to control the breath to do those activities, or is there some more to it than that? Everything is connected to the breath. Mm. The easy way to answer that is whatever it is you're looking to do, whatever it is your day involves, whatever sport you do, whatever your aim is in life, if you can breathe better to support that function, you're going to be better at it. It's just understanding that it takes practice it needs to be trained just like anything else your breathing muscles need to be trained your brain and your body need to communicate to be able to know what you're trying to achieve to help it come along quicker mm. so it becomes a subconscious thing rather than having to be forced and overthought so i use my breathing practice in the morning when i'm working on like setting myself up for meditation and I'm oxygenating all my tissue and I'm becoming more focused before a meeting. It's the same practice I would use if there's a big wave and I need to compose myself and not panic. I need to calm myself down. Mm. So my heart rate doesn't go crazy. And then I'm able to disperse a nice clean energy rather than be all hectic and reactive and panicky and freaking out. All my senses going in overdrive And I'm back yeah, like that. It changes I everything in a moment. In a moment, I get to choose to make a break in that, in that reaction. Mm. So rather than react next time, I get to observe the situation, a meeting, a stressful environment, work, training, and I get to like take control back. Mm. That sounds great. So it's all about taking that power back and your breath is your number one guide in everything. So it's like the beginning of anything. So whatever you want to achieve, you know, whatever your own purpose is, because obviously you, Richie, in your life, you've you've created this path based on your experiences. But the people that you're helping, they'll have their own purpose. They'll have their own path. But the breath work is available there for everyone and anyone, whatever they're choosing to 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 achieve. 
for sure. No matter what your age, no matter what your fitness, mm. no matter where you are on your journey, yeah. take power in learning about how you can breathe to support your mission. Take the power, take the breath. I love it. <laughs> it's more like think about it. Like uh, I like to sort of reference it as like there's, there's functional breathing and there's dysfunctional breathing. Yeah. Functional is like really effective, nice, big, full, satisfying breaths in that give you that <sighs> feeling of, oh, and then there's dysfunction, which is short and shallow. Upper chest breathing usually feeds into more panic and anxiety, which is obviously rife in our population now yeah. more than ever. Why not train your lungs to be as full and powerful and effective as possible? <sighs> Just you know, doing yeah, it now exactly. <laughs> with my arms too. Exactly. <laughs> We're both leaning out. That's very you know, satisfying. To, you know, which is then, and I think it's important to mention sleep here, my sleep used to be shocking. Mm. I used to have sleep apnea where I'd hold my breath in the night. I'd wake up with a dry mouth. I'd have terrible, terrible disruptive sleep, sleep anxiety, wake up exhausted. I learned to breathe through my nose and start to help stretch my lungs and improve my breathing muscles. And my sleep improved by 50%. Incredible. In the space of a week of trying this one breathing practice. How many people struggle with poor sleep? Many people do, yeah. Exactly right. And how much does that have a knock and effect with the rest of our health and our well-being? Huge. So breathing, if anything, if you get it right and you start to do it consciously with intention and train it, when you go to sleep and you can't be training, it's working for you again. Oh. You're staying calm. You're in a deeper, restful sleep. I love that. It's working for you even when you're not conscious. <laughs> oh, Richie, it sounds great. So <laughs> you mentioned a lot about how you found different experiences raised your vibration. You felt as though you were lifted by the energy of those around you and all the practices that you were learning about. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the Vibe Tribe. Tell me more yeah. about the Vibe Tribe. So the Vibe Tribe is, is, is my community that I work with a little bit more closely um, through live formats, usually using Zoom, actually. Um, but it's a, an online community that has, has developed over, it actually came around over lockdown, lockdown because I wanted to still feel engaged because I couldn't teach anymore. I wasn't going to my workshops and my retreats and I wasn't seeing any clients. So I thought, right, well, let me make something really easily available in the virtual world that would bring good humans together, good like-minded people mm. that might just need a little bit of accountability and a little bit of guidance that I could coach in mass and provide tools and experiences and insight and engage with them and teach some classes and help them with things that I feel are the fundamental things that most people need to keep on top of. And just a beautiful energy was born. And, I, and it's, it's, it's such a beautiful place to hang out. I love teaching in it. I get to do live classes in the morning at lunchtime, meditations, breath work, yoga classes on a Sunday morning. Oh. It feels like I'm able to connect with a real community, even though it's virtual. And yeah, I just feel that sense of community is so powerful when we're stuck on our own. Sometimes we feel a bit isolated or we feel a bit lonely. We just need that positive voice mm. or that little reminder that it's not all that bad get out of your head yeah you know just change your perspective and I just want to be that person because I knew how powerful that is for me and it works two ways all I see is their faces pop up on the zoom and I'm like hey <laughs> and it's like, wait, 
do a thing, yeah. you know, it's not just there to show up. It's like, if you meet, if you work with a client and they're like, they smile at you and they say, thank you. And you're like, they've really changed my world. I buzz off that. Yes. That's, that's better than payment. It's like, yes, Aww. yes, purpose, intention, you know, and I, I love that people can then go, I learned from that situation that really helped me and they carry it forwards. Yeah. I'm just a messenger. Well, that's just beautiful. And that, that's exactly what I think we need more of in this world is an understanding that, you know, if we can give, then we just, we get it back. And the more you give, the more you get back. And it sounds like you've, oh, you've really achieved something beautiful with that community. Um, your message is you enjoy uh, surfing, you enjoy yoga, you enjoy motorbikes. These are the things that you have found tremendous uh, bliss from and also being able to get out of your head. But that won't be necessarily true for everyone else. But what you've also shared with me and with our audience today is that there are so many simple things that anyone can do to lift yeah. their vibe. And, yeah. you know, those things are universal, which I just absolutely love. 100%. I mean, that, that, that's, that's kind of where the book came from. Um, when I got asked to write this book and I was like, mm, I'm not sure I'm ready to like write a book yet. I feel like there's so much more I've got to learn. And I just thought, well, hang on a minute. What do I live and breathe all day that I really wish my clients knew in, an, in a bite-sized way I could just share rather than work with them for 12 weeks and hopefully they get it. And that's <laughs> the book was born. So the book called Lift Your Vibe is all about these little tools. And I just thought, well, if only I'd had this book when I was younger, or I mean, at any time it worked, but it's more, it is as simple as just, you know, one chapter or one page of understanding a breathwork practice or writing down your thoughts or going for a walk in nature or making yourself something really nice to eat and being really connected with it and enjoying the process and switching off, creating space, you know, moving to release tension in your body. You know, it, it, it doesn't need to be hard work. It doesn't need to take a lot of time. And I really want people to be, be empowered to create change wherever they are and not feel overwhelmed that it's just too big a task because it's not. It can be easy if you know how. Really, really is. Oh, Richie, this is so great. I'm really enjoying this conversation and I'm going to have to bring it round to some sort of conclusion now. I've <laughs> taken up so much of your time, but I've just loved every minute of it. I really have. Um, now, I, I suppose just to finish off, we, we've, we've talked about so much and you've shared so many practical tips with me. So thank you for that. Um, I guess I want to finish off by sort of circling back to your personal story a little bit and trying to find out what wellness means to you and what are the simple things that you have to do daily that you feel are the, the foundation of your own practice um, that you could share with us. Okay. So well-being has, has kind of started to grow a little bit in my, in my world. I didn't really connect with the word well-being at the beginning because I associated with stuff that I didn't really resonate with. Mm. And now I've actually made, made peace with it in a way where I look at it as a, a, my physical health, you know, my heart, my lungs, my, my internal organs being healthy and functioning well. And I love the connection to how intricate our system is. And when, I, when you think, because we take it for, for granted, 
we, we, we neglect our health because we still, we don't understand how amazing it is and how precious it is, precious it is, but how it needs to be taken care of and nurtured. So I find when I, when I lose my way a little bit or I've been pushing it and burning the candle a little bit, which still happens, my body will give me this feedback because I'm so connected to it. Because when I do breath work and I listen to my breathing and I work on my breath, I usually feel areas of tension or I feel a bit of pain or discomfort, which I, I've not even noticed because I've been so busy doing stuff. And then it allows me just to ease off a little bit. And then I choose to take that as a, a reminder, a friendly reminder that I need to do some more yoga because I hadn't done any for a few days. So I let that be my guide, just constantly being intuitive to my body, giving me all of these signals and signs so nothing ever gets out of control. Mm. And then when I think about my mental health and that being a key part of the well-being picture, if I notice my mindset is negative or overwhelmed or scatty, a bit cloudy, or as I call it, the, the head funk, where I'm a bit in that low vibration or I creep into some of the old uh, mental traits, I will recognize those things rather than react and disrupt my day and my flow and the rest of the week. I realized that I'd maybe been taking too much on. So I never react. I'd usually revert back to, you know, breathing for a little bit, doing a yoga practice, going out for a walk, and it creates space. So then I start to feel all this synergy. I start to think like, well, now I'm in, now I'm in this nice flow, this well-being bubble that I'm in. I feel like I've got everything, you know, working together. And I think about myself as this living organism because I have seen bodies and inside of bodies and I've done a lot of this crazy research that's seen organs and things beating and blood flowing. And it's incredible when you think of yourself as this incredible, like, functioning work of art so you usually then want to take better care of it and that'll be the food that you eat what you drink how much you drink how you treat yourself how you talk to yourself and how you respect yourself and then that gives me this feeling of presence and connection and strength and empowerment and that for me is well-being having that closer relationship with your body so you take better care of it and you nurture it the way it deserves to be nurtured. And I feel that way, you know, it feels like you're doing something that will contribute to a healthier, happier, long life. At least I know I would have done everything I can within my power. That's so beautiful. And yeah, that's yeah. kind of like a nice way to look at things. I like that. It's about connecting with your true self. It's about an awareness of your body. And I love how you described visualizing that beating heart, those organs, the, the lifeblood flowing through your veins yeah. and wanting to give the very best that you can to that system so that you can be a mm. living, breathing organism filled with power. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. How cool is that though, right? It's really cool. Yeah. We disconnect. We just think that this body that breathes automatically and that it works for us and it, you know, we sleep and we eat and we poo and we all these other things that are all just always what we do. People don't, a lot of, I say people, a lot of people don't 
really connect with what's actually going on under here. No, under the hood. And I've seen, I've seen that myself and it's a, it's well, a pretty miraculous you, organism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because what I love about the brain, I'm just going to finish on this, is when the brain and the mind and the breath and the heart and the organs are all singing together, you have, a, I like to feel you've got this nice flow. And when those signals are strong and clear and practiced, the communication with all of these things is a lot more efficient and healthy. Mm. You have build stronger connections with your nerves, your nervous system, you know, and how you respond to all these things you're trying to train it to be better at, become stronger you have better connections with your body. Your brain signaling to the body to do things is going to become clearer and sharper and more effective. These things need to be trained as we get older more than anything. So they work for us when we get older. I didn't know about that when I was a kid, even just a few years ago, how powerful that is. Yeah. Don't even get me started on like neuroscience. <laughs> well, we could, but that might have to be another episode. <laughs> no, another episode. Hopefully we planted plenty of seeds there to, you know, spark some curiosity anyway. We certainly did. And I, I agree with your point. Everything, singing in symphony is the way that we should hopefully go forward. That was fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Richie. I really enjoyed that. And I loved hearing more about the Vibe Tribe. I loved hearing more about your book. And um, I'm sure we'll be sharing the links to all the ways in which our listeners can get in touch with you and learn more as well. So huge, huge thank you to you today. Thank you so very much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really found that an incredibly powerful conversation with Richie. And I want to say thank you to him for being so honest about his journey. And what I loved about it was not only did he share some of the real human struggles that we can all face, but also some great tips to help us lift our vibrations and feel better. I really hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Join me again next time for another great guest who will help us to incorporate wellness into our day. And remember that you can catch every episode of this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And remember also you can catch the wellness edit on the Holland and Barrett website, hollandandbarrett.com. All views and experiences talked about on this podcast are those of our guests and do not reflect the views of Holland and Barrett.